G'day punters, Nick Quinn and Shane Crawford here. Welcome to Tabs Inside 50. This week, our very special guest, the man that dominated for the Essendon Footy Club, Tom Bell Chambers, 136 games, 77 goals, and now a very good racehorse. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Quinny. <laughs> yeah, good to be here, mate. Um, yeah, very good racehorse and a uh, little bit disappointing after today, mate, but um, yeah, bigger and better things hopefully to come. As Sharon Anavisto, who won very impressively recently at Flemington, the horse racing conversation seems to link all of our guests, so it's good to see that you're lifting the bar even higher. Yeah, it's um, it's an exciting one. So myself, Joe Watson and Kyle Hooker have um, you know, put a little syndicate, syndicate together and uh, we were lucky enough to get into a good horse and um, you know, some of the, we were talking about it off air, but you know, those little wins along the way where you get to go and celebrate and it was obviously great to be back at Flemington a couple of weeks ago and to watch her win there was pretty special and um, good group of owners as well. What, so, what a thrill to win. Uh, not only a very good horse, but it's it's winning very good races. But to win at Flemington a few weeks ago, how does that make you feel? How do you compare that against your footy days? It's it's hard to compare it, but it's such a thrill. Yeah, it is, and it's a it's interesting. You know, like I think I was probably a bit more nervous before that race than I was. You know, some footy games in the end of my career. So um, you're right. It is. It's to be honest, it's right up there. Like it, I know it's not a Group One, but it was a Group Three, and um, you know, I think. You hear a lot of people have these um, racing stories along the way and they might not be, um, you know, all that successful and there's a lot of ups and a lot of downs in racing. So you're right to be able to celebrate that win at Flemington with a, with a couple of good mates was pretty special. And each time she adds to her CV, uh, cha-ching, 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 <laughs> you go and send it up there. I know Campbell Brown, my old teammate, he had a horse called Sweet Idea and uh, it was a very good horse. <laughs> they sold it the Magic Millions yeah. uh, after its racing career for a... I think two mil. The Queen bought it. She, That's right. Yeah. So oh, right. Um, yeah. So she. I think one of the one of the babies, <laughs> I suppose, had a run the other day for the Queen. Very first start out of the the mare. So you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get a little kickback, which is pretty good in horse racing because it do, doesn't always work out like that. Correct. What's Job like as an owner? Uh, shocking. You know, um, I wasn't, it was quite funny. So I actually flew up to Sydney on the weekend and the race has got abandoned. Um, so I've gone, I've gone from Rose Hill in a, in a corporate box to watching it at, at the TAB out at Laverton this afternoon. <laughs> out at Laverton this afternoon. And um, I, I spoke to uh, Hooksy after the race and I think he watched it with, with Job and um, yeah, he said he was a pretty shattered after it and a uh, pretty disappointed man. So uh, he's very passionate about the horse, Job. He's, um, he loves it. So, yeah, he wears his heart on his sleeve, definitely. That's what we'd like to hear. You've got to be passionate about it. Now, we're going to have a chat about your magnificent footy career today, continuing the long list of successful Tasmanians we've had on the podcast as well. So tell us about the early days. Did you always love your footy and was it something you're always good at? Um, yeah, so grew up down in Tassie um, and I've got two older brothers as well so I think that's probably where um, my love for football came about you know playing in the backyard with my brothers at a young age and I think football's obviously you know football's amazing for me to be able to make friendships and that kind of thing along the way and um, yeah played all my junior football down in Tasmania down at Launceston played my school footy down there um, probably basketball was another one for me that I, I played a fair bit of basketball when I was younger as well um, and then kind of timing wise I had a couple of injuries through basketball and uh, and football was kind of the main priority and that took over uh, probably a little bit later than when it was kind of 16, 17 when it started to get really serious for me and uh, yeah lucky enough to get drafted to, to the Bombers as, a, as an 18 year old and um, yeah loved my time there obviously. Well you, you had two older brothers so that's great for you because you'd be so competitive in the backyard but were you the biggest one or eventually the biggest one? Eventually the biggest one. Yep. Uh, it took me a while to get there though. So, um, yeah, both brothers, I think 
be around six foot four, six foot three kind of thing. So it's a big family. It's a big family. It's, it's, a big, it's certainly. So, and family. what are you? What, what did you get? I'm to? six foot seven. Got to six foot seven. So yeah. Right. yeah so um, but it's it's the uh, mum the and dad. Spuds, I think yeah. the Tasmanian spuds. There must or something be there's like something that. in the water down there because <laughs> mum and dad aren't overly tall either of them. So. Um, not sure. Maybe it's the good fresh air down in Tassie. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful part of the world. And Launceston's been a great home for the Hawks of recent times. But the thing I love about Tasmania is everyone's, you know, they love their sport. And, um, you know, and as you said, you know, everyone represents their state in all sorts of sports. Mm. Um, you know, you would have represented Tasmania in basketball, did you? I did, yes. Yep. Yeah, so represented Tassie in basketball, kind of under 16, under 18 level. And then um, I actually broke my foot. Uh, playing basketball leading up to the Nationals and uh, missed the Nationals as a 17-year-old, I think it was. And then uh, f- by the time my foot came right, kind of footy season was approaching. And then, um, yeah, and the kind of footy took over from there really for me. But you're right, like around Tasmania um, and the football being a massive thing down there in that state, I remember playing uh, VFL as a 16, 17-year-old down there for the for the Devils and um, that was like playing AFL, you know, like the the regard that that was held in down there um, was, was just amazing and, um, yeah, I think some of my best memories are playing footy down there and playing for the state. Well, you've got Jack Revolt. Uh, we've had Brad Green on here and he's spoken about his soccer days and, yeah. um, and then obviously was very good at all sorts of, you know, Maddie Richardson, it goes on and on and on. So it must, it must be the fresh air or there's nothing to do. Yeah. But there's plenty to do because, you know, like seriously, you want to jump on a bike, you want to jump in the ocean, you want to play a different sport. Yeah. It's got everything. Yeah, and you're right. And I think you, I mean, I probably took a little bit for granted, Tassie as well, when you're growing up down there. And I think it's always the way. But now I go back there and appreciate it so much more. It is such a beautiful spot. And you're right. It's such a uh, rich sporting history down there. And um, I was a Tigers fan growing up. So Richo was kind of one of my idols and watching him obviously um, do so well over in the AFL. And um, yeah, it's 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 really good to see some you know serious talent come out of there. And not to mention Peter Hudson, uh, one of the all-time greats, and uh, Doc um, Daryl Baldock. Daryl Baldock, yeah. yeah. So uh, he and he was also a horse trainer too. Uh, so done a great job. You had to correct yourself then, otherwise the Hawthorne supporters would have got very upset if you didn't mention Hudson. Uh, Jade Rawlings, <laughs> Twigo, who's coaching, and he was very much a Bernie boy. Simon uh, Taylor. No, Devonport boy. Devonport, Simon Taylor. Yeah, we can go on. Shane Stevenson. Do you want me to go through all the Hawthorne boys too? Grant Birchall. Grant Birchall, yeah. Oh, the great Birch. Yeah. One of the best. But a great place, Tasmania. Now, it does seem inevitable that Tassie will get an AFL team. What sort of challenges do you think it will face getting players to relocate from Victoria and South Australia? and Western Australia and if they came in while you were playing would you have gone back home? Um, good question. Uh, I think to be honest yeah I think I, I definitely would have gone back home. Um, I think there will be some challenges obviously in trying to get people to maybe relocate down there and um, I think you've maybe seen the Gold Coast and what's kind of happening up there and seeing players leave after you know one or two years And um, but in saying that, I do think this, the state deserves an AFL team, um, and hopefully it's just a matter of time. But yeah, I'd be I'd be keen to jump on board, and uh, and and definitely I'd be I'd head down there if I was still playing. So Gold Coast had the speedos and meter maids, and um, you know the G G strings. <laughs> yes, I think that was the so, Brisbane Bears. Was, well, and Gold Coast too. Um, you know they always pitch it on the beach, and fair enough. So what, what does will Tasmania have? bring? <laughs> Good question. Um, Exploration down to uh, Antarctica. Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm not too sure. I might have the, the Eskimos and a. Uh, well, you got the Jack Jumpers. Who the are Jack Jumpers are doing, well, the doing very team. well. Doing very well down there. But um, yeah, look, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure what they'd uh, endorse the state with down there. Just beautiful fresh air, as you beautiful said. Beautiful fresh air. Beautiful green countryside. Lovely wines down there and lovely food down there. So maybe that might get a few boys down there that are into <laughs> their wines. Now the 2007 draft and preseason draft, it was very strong with the Ruckman. Obviously, your good self going in the preseason draft. The number one overall draft pick was Matthew Cruiser. Big Ben McAvoy went pick nine, Matthew Lowe went 16, and Steph Martin, another off the preseason draft to Melbourne. How did you assess yourself against these players in the lead-up? Um, yeah, so that year leading up to that, I was in the AOS um, Academy, and so had done some work with like Cruz and Benny McAvoy. They were also in that OS Academy. So I uh, kind of kept a close eye on how they were going, how they were travelling leading up to the draft. And um, I thought I was kind of around the mark to potentially be drafted and it's a bit of a funny story actually Adrian Dodoro loves his story and he tells he tells it probably better than I do but um I yeah I thought I was at a reasonable chance to get drafted um didn't end up going my way in the national draft and um was pretty pretty devastated after that and then I kind of I uh, thought that was it for me, you know, like I didn't really see myself as a rookie or anything like that. I just thought, well, if I'm not going to draft, I didn't get drafted. It was probably um, just my thinking at the time. But Adrian got me over to, to Melbourne and I was meant to train with Essendon for, I think I was meant to train with them for two weeks and they kind of organised it with AFL Tasmania to get me over there and put me up with uh, a couple of the players at the time. And I went in there and trained the first two days. I trained with the club and Adrian Dodoro got me in, he got me in his office and tore shreds off me, basically, <laughs> telling me that I was kidding myself and I really? was a bit of a pisshead and not, you know, not travelling as well as what I thought I was, maybe, and um, and sent me home. Like, as not, we're done. We don't want to, don't want to see you. And I was like, well, there goes any chance of me being. And, uh, and so, what were you doing? Like, were you that, misbehaving a bit? Well, were you just a boy coming over from Tasmania a, to Melbourne, going, "Oh, I'm going to go out and meet a few people well, and have no, a good time." That's the thing. Like, it wasn't even. Whilst I was over in Melbourne, I think it was probably maybe back in Tassie, and I right. just won a flag with Launceston. Yep. Um, so maybe you know I enjoyed myself a little bit too much after I won the flag down there. But um, yeah, he got me in after two days of training, and he just tore shreds off me. He was like, "Mate, you you know you're kidding yourself. You're not gonna you're never gonna play AFL footy." I was like, "Wow, that's you know Jeez. a bit of a reality check for me." And, and, sent, and, and sent me home. See you later. And um, that that was it basically. There was no real communication leading up to the leading up to the rookie draft or the preseason draft, and I didn't even I didn't even end up. I think it was on might have been the internet or radio back then, and I didn't even listen to it or watch it just because I thought that was it for me. And then um, from some bar that you were heading, from, yeah, <laughs> correct. And, uh, <laughs> and um, Merv Kane at the time, um, he was a, a recruiter at Essendon as well, and he rang me and he said, "Mate, we've." drafted you within the preseason draft and um adrian tells the story now that he reckons that um he knew that they were going to take me after the couple of days that i've been there training and he wanted to hide me from other clubs that might have been watching training or something anyway but that that, that was adrian's yeah, story that, that's pretty severe doing it that way i thought it was no good i thought it was too yeah yeah and then yep. but i love that i love the thinking of adrian Dora no, because you hear because then all he could have done is gone and trained at another club Word said, gets mate, out. Oh, he's just sent him he's home. Just yeah, exactly. <laughs> they've sent him home. Yeah. He's not very professional. He, so straight away, all these other clubs go, well, they've had a look at him and they've he's just no sent good. him off. Yeah. I, I love it. I mm. think it's a great 
ploy, you know, for years. You only have to look at Stewie Jew. He was in hiding, <laughs> eating hamburgers and <laughs> hanging out overseas, and then he came from nowhere. There's been a few of those stories mm. where it's like, oh, my goodness, this guy's dominating. We need him to lay low or keep him in the twos, yeah. make sure that he's not coming up into the seniors. You end up at the Bombers, and it was an interesting time to go there because it was the first season Kevin Sheedy wasn't going to be coaching a hell of a long time. Matty Correct. Knights was the new coach. Yes. Did you feel this exciting change was in the air or was there a lot of uncertainty because people were just not used to not having King Sheedy around? Um, I think there was probably a little bit of excitement, um, especially from the players at that time as well. You know, obviously Sheed was such, been such a big figure at the football club for such a long time and, um, you know, a lot of those guys had only ever known Sheeds uh, throughout their footballing career. So for Nida to come in and, um, you know, a bit of a new voice and a breath of fresh air around around the group. So there was a bit of excitement around that um, around the group at the time, I guess. And um, I, I think as an eighteen year old kid, you're you're just excited to be over in Melbourne and being in an AFL football club. So you might not um, probably buy into too much about what's uh, what the bigger picture stuff at the time. But um, yeah, I think looking back, there was probably a fair bit of excitement. And, um, yeah, especially from the older guys. And you would have gone up and said, I was a Richmond supporter, loved the 33 when he was dominating and kicking those left foot goals, and that would have got you in the good books? Yeah, correct. And I love the uh, – <laughs> I remember seeing the footage of him coming off the ground with the blood. Yes. Yeah, Liberatory. Come, li- li- yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, I was I – was Accidentally, not, accidentally, accidentally uh, elbowed him in a so, contest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 20 so. times. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, as an 18-year-old kid and Nida's first year and um, – yeah, I got along with him quite well. You got Kevin Sheedy going out of the club. You got yes. greats like uh, James Hurd, but you had the great Matty Lloyd. You know, Mister Mister Serious. You know, <laughs> you know, get his little routine and have some momentum. Throw the the grass up. So what what was it like? You know, starting out and having someone like Matty Lloyd, one of the all time greats, good fellas. Um, what was it like? Edison. Yeah, so um, amazing. I mean, Lloydie and Scotty Lucas and Dustin Fletcher and these types of guys. I mean, you walk in on a Monday morning and um, you know what the locker room's like, Croft. It's uh, you know sometimes it's story time or whatever. And, and these guys. Um, who, who was the best at that at Essendon? Who was who was someone that just sort of you, you just look over and made you laugh or just really gave that sort of release? Yeah. Which is really important at a footy club. Welsh is probably – Andrew Welsh is probably a hard one to go yes. past. He was um, he was always um, <laughs> always good for stories and, and um, you know, that locker room camaraderie and that kind of thing. I think him and um, Spike McVeigh, Mark McVeigh were probably yep. – I mean, they're, the, they're two of the main blokes that you think of, um, you know, especially – and Welsh kind of took me under his wing a little bit as well. So, um, you know, those kind of guys – Lloydie, Lucas, those guys you speak about as well. Like, I mean, you just you're just a kid and you're an 18 year old, and these guys are superstars of the game. And you know, two weeks ago I was working on, on roofs back in Tassie and that kind of thing. Just finished high school, and now I'm going to training every day with these superstars of the game. So, um, yeah, you just, I mean, you're probably a little bit mind blown about you know, like being able to go to work with them and call them your teammates and that kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, obviously you realise pretty soon or pretty quickly that that's your job now and that's, you know, that's what you get paid to do, which is an amazing thing, I think. And as they retire and move on, it must blow your mind because Andrew goes on and, and is ex- extremely successful at mm. buying land and yeah. just, you know, has hit the jackpot there and then you see McVeigh in the coaching box. So that must just, you know, open your eyes to, okay, footy's here, got to make the most of it, but there is a big life out there as well. Yeah, exactly right. And I think... Um yeah, well, she's been he's been amazing for me throughout my footy career and then post football as well. So he's obviously 
doing amazing things um, in, in the property world and, and land development and that kind of thing. So, but he was always um, one thing that I think I learned off Wusher was it probably I don't think I've seen anyone that could work a room like him when he'd walk into these functions and that kind of thing. And, and sometimes when you're playing footy, these functions and corporate gigs that you have to go to that are part of your contract for whatever reason, um, Wusher always told me, you know, like sometimes you don't want to be there maybe, or you might've had a long day of training or for whatever reason, but um, those people in that room can really, you know, be a bit beneficial to you. And if you take the time to get to know these people that, um, you know, exactly what you're saying, life after footy, um, it, it is, um, you know, a big eye opener. So, um, and networking and that kind of thing through AFL, you, you're really lucky that you get to meet some really successful people and, and people that do want to help you as well. So um, to be able to make the most of that, um, yeah, Wish was very good at what he did there. Get ready to play everywhere, Australia. The AFL is here. And with Tab Same Game Multi, you can combine all your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, total points and anytime goal scorer all in the one bet to get bigger odds. Available on every AFL game this season. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1800 858 858. Round 11, you get the call up to play your first game. Unfortunately, it was a tough night for the Bombers coming <laughs> up against going? Hawthorne. Buddy Franklin kicked a lazy nine goals. What do you remember apart from Buddy from that night? I reckon I might have actually started in the ruck, and I think um, Hilly did his hamstring on the Thursday or something, you know, and uh, the main training on Thursday. And um, I certainly wasn't ready to be playing AFL football, I don't think. I was actually rucking against big Robbie Campbell and Simon yes. Taylor at the time. So, um they were quite big boys as well. Robbie Campbell was a big fella. So yeah, Robbie used his body really well. He, he couldn't jump high. Very but he, crafty he was, with his body. He was a lot better than, yeah. you know, if you watch a lot of the tapes. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and big Simon, he's, he was arms and legs and elbows everywhere. He so. was. He was a big trainer. So, um, <laughs> no, I mean, obviously an amazing experience. I got to fly mum and dad and my two brothers over to, to watch the game. So, um, yeah, apart from the... The scoreline not being, uh, you know, going our way. It was just, just an unbelievable experience. And I still remember being physically ill before the game, you know, like and just being so nervous and that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it was just an amazing experience. I think it was about 80,000 at the MCG. Um, yeah, but we lost by, yeah, as you said, 80-odd points. What stood out from a game perspective? Was it faster than you thought, more physical or just everything? Um, probably a combination of... Um, everything I I played a lot of senior football down in Tassie against kind of bigger bodies and older blokes uh growing up which I think really helped me um with my football and obviously being a ruckman you know I might have been 17 years old 16 years old rucking down there against kind of 30 year olds so you kind of get that uh experience to ruck against more mature age um more physical uh guys I guess and then but yeah I think the speed of it um, certainly for me, mate, as I don't have too much speed myself, is uh, you know probably that was the biggest one for me to um, to try and pick up, and then for me as well was just kind of just trying to deal with my nerves and that kind of thing, and then you know as you go on in your career, uh, understanding that you belong at the level, and um, yeah, gaining confidence through that. So the year Joe Watson dominated, you were the ruckman, and um, you were pretty much the reason. That's what, I, that's what I think as well, Crawford. And which, I think, which obviously put him in a position to win the Brownlow medal, and he still should bloody have the Brownlow medal correct. when you think about it. But yes, you know, because I was in a similar situation with Paul Salmon, and he said, mate, 
fish. I hit the ball too, <laughs> which when you look back, yeah, that's fairly true. <laughs> I think over in the uh, the NFL, what's the uh, the quarterback buys their oh yeah, the did right he buy tackle. you something? No, that's, that's what good. that's what I that's what I <laughs> don't they buy their right yes. tackles, Rolexes, and cars and that kind well, of thing. Well, the ones so. that they think are important. For well, that's it. And I I remember um, I was in I was actually in Miami at the time when Joe uh, won the Brownlow. Um, I gave him a call and I just said, yeah, exactly what yes. you're saying. I'll uh, send you my address. Can you mate. upgrade yeah. my hotel, yeah, please? Yeah, correct. Maybe From the a, backpackers to yeah, the five-star hotel. Yeah, maybe a business class flight <laughs> home or something like that. But I'm still waiting for that, so, uh, yeah. I'm sure it'll come. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned your nerves before your first game. When did you feel comfortable at AFL level? Yeah, to be honest, I think it probably took me five, six years to really kind of feel comfortable and... Um, understand that uh, my best footy was good enough and capable enough to, to be playing at that AFL level. I think I was in and out of the team. Um, I mean, 2013, I think I played 18 games that year. And I think that was probably that continuity in playing games um, week in, week out. But I think probably even still for a year or two after that, um, I probably really started to feel comfortable and understand what I could do and what I could bring to the team. And kind of that was good enough, you know, like I didn't have to go out there and try and you know, win the game by myself, which is, you know, I, I think probably what some people do at the time. But, um, yeah, I think probably my fifth, sixth year around that mark, um, I started to feel really comfortable. And uh, Simon Goodwin was the midfield coach um, who, you know, I think still to this day is probably one of the best coaches I've ever had. Um, just in, in got the best out of me, uh, Goody. So Why? Why did you get the best out of you? Um, was it just the relationship, yeah, the connection? I think, yeah, probably had a lot to do with the connection. And, um understanding why you know he's gone on and been successful senior coach and you know you see these things in the media that he's having a beer with his players or whatever and outstanding uh, yeah exactly and you know i think most people that understand <laughs> footy and uh, would say that is outstanding and that is how you do build relationships you know and goody was goody was that kind of guy where you could actually you know you could have a laugh with him off the field and but once that football like was bounced or won't when you were doing um anything kind of one-on-one football-wise, it was dead serious and, you know, and he would kind of crack me between the eyes if I had to be and um, and that's how I, he got a response out of me and, um, yeah, I think he just kind of knew how to make his players tick and, um, yeah, it's it's good to see him be going to be successful at Melbourne. You've got to be careful as a coach connecting with the players, you know, because at the Alistair Clarkson situation when Buddy was having a bit of fun over in Vegas mm. and he said, no, I need to go over there and take control... <laughs> Otherwise, go and join him for a drink. He turned up. Buddy wasn't happy, so Buddy <laughs> took off to Sydney. Got he off. said, I'm going to a different <laughs> club. So you've got to pick your time in, Quinny. You've got to make sure you get there it There is right. a balance. <laughs> I'd love to hear some of your Buddy stories off here. I think, Prof, they'd be quite entertaining. I don't have any. Now, Tom, when you got to the Bombers, it was a challenging period for them. Matty Knights had just taken over, and after a few years, unfortunately, he was replaced. He had a record of 25 wins, 41 losses, and one draw. The Essendon faithful, they were not very patient with him. It was always going to be a very, very tough gig to replace Sheeds, and he probably felt the full brunt of it. Yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, from all reports, Nida was a VFL coach before um, before he took over the senior coach role and um, was, you know, the boys really loved him. His work that he did at VFL level. And, you know, I think you're right to, to try and come, come in after Sheeds, who's just this 
monumental figure in AFL football, it's going to be really hard to follow that. And, um, you know, Essendon being a big powerhouse club that they are, um, you know, if, you, if the results aren't, aren't adding up, then, you know, something has to change. And um, unfortunately, probably far too long now, the results haven't, haven't added up. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but hopefully the, uh, the title change soon. And if there's one man that's more loved at Essendon than Kevin Sheedy... <laughs> was the bloke that took the coaching job next, James Hurd. What was it like when you found out he'd be your new coach? And I dare say the supporters had an extra spring in their step. <laughs> yeah, the golden child. Uh, once they knew that he was back on board, um, yeah, I think I was living I think I think was living around Essendon at the time or in Mooney Ponds there or somewhere. And I think 99% of people just walked around with a smile on their face that they, they knew Hurd, he was coming back. And they knew, obviously, Bomber came back in the end as well. So, um, yeah, it's obviously... You know, well documented what Hurdy went through and uh, and what the club went through over the years. But um, yeah, Hurdy as well. So it's it's also great to see him back in footy up at GWS. And um, he's with your mate McVeigh with Spikey up there. Yeah, yeah. Spikey must have got him up there. So he, he's helped him out there. Which what are those good. two getting up to? Who knows? Who knows? After hours, you know, be like just hanging out in Sydney. And I'm, that's, I'm sure everyone just let them go. That's probably why Spikey's got him up there to help him out <laughs> after hours. But no, nah, it's um. You know, Hurdy was amazing as well. He he really was. He came in and um, basically put an unbelievable team around himself as well. You know, as I said, Goody, um, Ego, Matty Egan as well. Um, Brendan McCartney was there. Um, you know, there's some really good uh, Sean Wellman who was, you know, speak to the backline guys and they're probably one of the, um, they rank him up there as one of the best defend, defensive coaches they've had as well. So um, Hurdy had some really, really good people around him and, you know, Obviously, what happened happened, but I think um, if we didn't probably go through that stuff, then I think that was obviously probably the most successful time period that I played in my career with those guys. It was uh, it was a big shock, wasn't it, when he was announced as coach? Because was he doing stuff at Foxtel at the time, or he was doing stuff in that space? And obviously, he hadn't done an apprenticeship, yeah. But obviously, has a great you know football knowledge. He was a wonderful player, but um, you know has got a, a real you know. Real uh, great view on the game and, mm. and the way that he wants it played and, and backing in the good players and putting the good players in the good spots, which, you know, it obviously started working because you started winning a lot of games. And I remember that you had this real connection and you were playing for the coach mm. um, for a, a long time, which, you know, that was something new uh, that uh, was brought to Essendon, which I hadn't seen for a while. That's exactly right. You know, Herdy was kind of, um, you know, had really good good thoughts about the game and the way it should be played and um, I guess the team that he got around him and um, to, to help him out was probably really what drove that as well and playing for Hurdy, yes, but playing for, as I spoke about Goody before, you know, like those, the assistant coaches that he had around him at the time were just, you know, a lot of them gone on to senior coach and that kind of thing as well and I mean, Macca went to the Bulldogs, Brendan McCarty went to the Bulldogs and probably didn't reap the rewards that he put in at the Bulldogs, I don't think as well, but he was an amazing coach as well. These guys were really good teachers um, of football. So when you say we were playing for the coach, I think that camaraderie and that, that group that um, that we had at that time was, was something really special. And um, unfortunately, we probably didn't go on to do what we, we should have done and, and win finals footy and, and play, play in big games and win big games. But um, it was certainly a special time. To, for me to be able to play under Hurdy and, and play under these really good guys. And so uh, what about when all the um, the turmoil happened with um, Essendon? Because when things were starting to unfold, all the other players from other clubs were like, 
Nah, nah, we're we're fully supportive of the players, and mm. and even the AFL were supposedly very supportive. But then it just turned into this just bigger saga, and I I really felt for you as players, I really felt for the supporters. Um, you know, it was just it was uh, it was if you could go back and somehow find a way yeah. to make that time very easy. But h- how do you mentally work through what was going on? You know, in that situation, and how do you because the, the thing that I didn't want is those players that finished during that period and that's their lasting yeah. memory, which can probably put them away, yeah. put them off football forever. So them, yeah. how do yeah. you, how did you work through that? And obviously you would have had to try and connect and it's great that you're still connecting with Joe Watson, race, racing horses yeah, with yeah. him and, you know, you've got your, your good mates. But that's super important that you're able to get together and laugh. But yeah. how do you get through that? Um, it. it Almost exactly what you're saying, you know, like that was such a unique experience about going through something like that that you can just never prepare yourself for or never think that you're going to be in that situation. So um, I think those 30-odd guys that, that were in that situation, that's kind of all we had really, you know what I mean? I mean, the support from other players and other teams and that kind of thing really was amazing. So I think that helped, but it was probably the guys that were going through it at the same time that, really understood what each individual was kind of going through and how each individual was struggling or coping with it so for me it was just about surrounding myself with those guys and kind of um, trying to help them and I mean we had Joe Watson who was just an unbelievable leader at that time and and took us through you know the shit show that it was really and um, to have someone like him that's come out and you know just unbelievable leadership skills I think that was probably a, a big help but yeah, for me, it was just kind of making sure I did stay connected with my teammates. And I mean, they were kind of really the only ones that knew what was going on and, and knew how we were feeling at the time. So um, surrounding yourself with good people and, and um, yeah, that was probably what helped me through it. And even I, I know myself, if I'm put in a situation where you've got fitness staff and coaches saying, this is what we're doing, this is how we're going to do it. This is, you know, it's all to help us you know, to recover from an advantage point of view, it's all above board. This is what's happening. I'm doing it. Yeah. 100%. Mm. Yep. What do I do? Take take this tablet. No worries. I'll do that. I'll do whatever. You know, yeah, and you're just trusting these people. So, you know, as a player, you, you must have been frustrated and angry um, when reflecting at times. But you're in a situation where we'd all put up our hands and go, yeah, Oh, we'll do whatever yeah. as long as we think it's all above board that's what you're telling us yeah we're doing it yeah you're right and I mean it's it's so hard you know I mean there's def- there was definitely times when you do get angry and you do um, you know you look back now and it's there's certainly times where it was more difficult than than other times but I think you're exactly right I mean you you put in these situations where we were, we were a group and we uh, the leadership group at the time made sure that you know everything was ticked off by all the doctors and all water and Asada and everything like that. And I think um, that's all you can do as players really, you know, like it's, we were put in in a position where exactly what you're saying, you know, you're told that everything's okay that you're taking and what, what have you, then to find out that potentially it's not, then yeah, you do get disappointed and you do, you know, want to find out what happened really. Yep, where did it all go wrong? And I have had a little bit to do with James Hurd over the last few years, and it's it's been great to see him sort of come back to being the James Hurd that we sort of all knew. Obviously, you know, went to amazing lows mm. and then to work his way through. But when 
just before he sort of finished up and, and moved on and whatever, he used to get on his bike and he'd ride from Turak, mm. that side of town. He'd ride out to um, even the new training venue out near Tullamarine on his yep. bike because yep. that was when he could get one hour Bit of, a release. of just him concentrating yeah. on riding his bike. But then you know, he... He got caught in the tram track come once and his bike, broke his he? leg, yeah. and then he got hit by um, a mother who was who was driving the kids to school. That's so right. I, th- I said, Put you, the bike I away. think you need to retire <laughs> from the bike. But um, you know, someone like that who, um, you know, he, he's just so supportive of the players. He, you know, and he, he went to he went to war mm-hmm. for the guys. But, but yeah. to see someone like that who virtually wore a Superman cape. You know, how did that make you feel when you knew, um, you know, he was there? You mean, like, when you've exactly right, when you've got someone like Herdy and as I spoke about Joe before, you know, these two guys at the um, the head of the organisation, you do, I guess you feel a bit more comfortable when you've got those kind of guys around you and they do make it a little bit easier to see, to see what Herdy went through, um, to see how hard he did fight for us and, and that kind of thing throughout that whole saga, I guess, is um, it just... Yeah, speaks speaks volumes about the person that that Herdy is, and um, that's why when you see yeah the, the the lows that he did get to, it's it's really hard to see, and um, because you know that um, you know he was fighting for us more than anyone, and um, you know and and Job as well. So to see these guys kind of um, you know have things taken away from them and 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 have the lows that they did is really hard to see because they're such good people so um yeah it's and they're your mates as well you know like although Herdy was a you know easy coach but when you go through something like that that we went through at the time I do think it obviously brings you closer together and um you know that bond does does grow because you're the individuals going through it and no one else is going through it so um I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's shit to see what, what what's happened, and that's why it's great to see Herdy back in football now, and um, you know, Job's doing really well, obviously as well. So it's good to see. Yeah, they're charging on, which is which is a great thing. All the players are that were involved in that, which is super. But he also said that for a whole year, three hundred and sixty-five days, he used to live in a two-story house, and he'd get out of bed and he'd hop in a shower which would be on the second level, and he could move his blinds and he could look down on his lawn and he for the whole year he would see 30, 40, 50 media waiting for him and that's how he would start his day for the year. So what about yourself? Was the the media sniffing around? Were they chipping away? Were they, you know, yeah, definitely. were they annoying? Yeah. Because yeah. most of the time, you know, me being on the other side of the fence yeah. now, we can be all very annoying yeah. at times if we're trying to get a story or trying to get an understanding of what's going on. It was just such a strange time, mate, like that we'd be rocking up to training and uh, Kate Hooker and I lived together at, at the time as well. So there was times when we had cameras and that out the front of the house and um, yeah, it was hard to understand how to take it. And I mean, I, mean, I remember you laugh at it now, but I remember going to and playing a, um, a practice match. We were out of the new facility out at Tullamarine and they tried to lock the gates and try and keep the media out, which doesn't 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 really work. You know, there's this, this fence that you can see through and see everything anyway. And um, but I remember helicopters, two helicopters being above the ground when we're training, and it was just like, what's 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 happening? This is just a genuine circus. And some of the times when we were training at Windy Hill, and um, you'd rock up there, and the media circus that was out the front was just like. Is Justin Bieber at training today, or what's like, or what's going on? You know, like it was just it was just unbelievable. So, um, and I think that probably uh, 
you know, I mean, after after that whole thing, I'm I know myself. Like I looked at the media differently. Whether that's right or wrong, it's probably I'm not I'm not too sure. But I mean, I was probably a bit shitty about you know um, how aggressive they were at times and, and what they were reporting and that kind of thing. And, so, and new players were handcuffed too. Yeah, so yeah you, exactly. You can't yeah. really you talk can't, much you can't about re- it. You can't you know? really talk. And I remember um, after we after we did sit out for the year and coming back and um, getting media requests and I'd be like, no, nah, I don't want to do it, you know, like, which is, yeah, you know, which, probably, is, understandable. which is understandable. But I mean, I look back now and it's, everyone's got a job to do at the time, don't they? So it's, 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 but uh, you know, you'd, it's such a, it was such a unique situation to go through. Um, such a strange situation to go through, to be honest with you. But yeah, some of the, uh, some of the media and, and reporting and was pretty full on at the time. It was mind blowing, mind blowing. So when you seeing you're being papped out the front of your house, did you think, geez, I'm going to have to uh, make sure that next time I don't go out my jocks to put the bins out late at night? You'd be <laughs> always thinking, if, if I've got someone waiting out the door, I've got to be, you know, ready for this. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I don't or know, you I don't know, know if it was your single days, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, because well, you used uh, to live in Port Melbourne, didn't I'll you? Do, I'll do a bit With of the story. Hooks. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we obviously there was a few um, a few decision days throughout the whole. Well, there's about fifty decision days throughout the whole saga in the end. But um, there was there was one day when um, we obviously knew there was going to be a lot of media around one of the one of the decisions. I'm not even sure the which one it was now. But I remember saying to Hooksy, we probably should go and make sure we're looking quite sharp and, and dress up and I think we went and bought a new outfit at the time and um, worked out alright because it, we ended up being I think front page of the Herald Sun Hooks you know walking out of this uh, walking out of this establishment but um, you were the only two looking uh, very well dressed that's and presented it. And I think you know which is which is your modelling day? Because have you done some modelling? Is that right? No, Croft, no. No, 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 hang on, no. Hang on, this is where I'm going to challenge you because where's last week I got a call and they said Tom Bell Chambers is going to be on the podcast. I said beautiful, and I was actually in a hotel where I was staying in Melbourne, and I flicked on the TV, and up pops Tom Bell Chambers doing an ad of some sort or in the background of this nightclub style bar downstairs for the hotel. Do you know the bar I'm talking about? At I don't, the hotel? No, no. I don't no. I've got, I've okay. got literally we, got we, no we idea. Just, 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 a sec, just a sec, just to pivot to the I will be following well, I know what though. you look like and it was definitely, <laughs> it was definitely you. <laughs> it's Inside 50 Saturday Play and we're joined once again by Tabs Bart Kennett. Bart, what have you got for us in store this week? This weekend we're offering $3.50 for Joe Danaher and Jeremy Cameron to go on for 6 or more goals. Now, Joe, he's been really lighting it up at the Gabba of late. He's kicked at least three goals in his last four starts up there, four in his past two, and he's given a couple away in the goal square as well. Jeremy Cameron, well, he was one of our best-supported players in the Coleman medal market at the start of the season. He booted two majors within the first 15 minutes of the first quarter in round one before being subbed out after he took that hit to the ribs. He was a bit ginger last week, but I think he would have recovered, and he'll be looking to hit the scoreboard in a major way this weekend. Now, fellas, we got the win last week. How do you see this one playing out? I love it. Jeremy Cameron played injured last week. He'll be ready to go and he'll kick him through the middle. And Joe Danaher, he's got his spring back, his confidence. He was very good against Essendon. Plays well at home. Yes, six goals. Big tick for me. Fingers crossed, Croft, and thanks for that, Bart. Remember, punters, you can find that offer on the Tab app. Offer available online only. Price subject to change and subject to liability cap. No multi, bonus, cash out, partial cash out, or live bets qualify. See market page for details. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. 1-800-858-858.
858. Tom, tell us about when the verdict came Tell down. us about the bar. <laughs> tell us about when you found out that you and a lot of your teammates would not be participating in the 2016 season. We were in a hotel in St Kilda. We are in the Novotel down there and it was over in uh, Sweden, the, the announcement. So it was like 6 o'clock in the morning, Melbourne time here. So we had to kind of... I think there were still eight or nine of us playing for Essendon at the time. Um, the rest of the guys had either moved on or, or, or what have you. So there were still nine of us playing for Essendon at the time. And I, me- I remember getting up at 5.30 and, and driving down to, to St Kilda to just thinking, this is so bizarre, like what's what's happening? And um, yeah, going into the, the, the conference room in, in this... Um, in this hotel in Melbourne and being six o'clock in the morning and they read the, um, so they read the, the readings or the findings out and they had to translate it because it was in a, a different language and our lawyers going out, going out of the room and, you know, they were still extremely confident that everything was going to be fine at the time. So, and we were, you know, we were too. And um, yeah. And then, the lawyers coming back into the room and just the look on their face was just, you know, it said every, it told us everything. They almost didn't even really have to tell us what, what had happened. And, um, yeah, to see grown men break down in tears in, in the room was um, pretty confronting. But, I mean, yeah, it was just – it was a bit of a whirlwind. Like, you look back and it was – yeah, it was just all happened – like that, I guess. Yeah. Were you crying as well in there? Like, no, I. Pretty emotional. It was. It was. It was. It was super. It was super emotional and um, super confronting. But um, yeah, no, I wasn't. I didn't didn't break down. But you know, the, the you know, a few boys did, and I can I can understand. You know, like uh, exactly. You know, you're getting footy taken away from you. It's, it doesn't feel right. It's not right. And um, yeah, so it was a it was certainly a sombre mood in that room and. Um, I guess no one really knew how to take that that news, and we weren't expecting it, obviously either. So, um, yeah, to be hit with that was yeah pretty full on. And so, what goes through your head then? Hang on, I got a year off. What am I going to do? Am I going to travel? Am I going to go to Milan and work on my modelling? What am I actually? <laughs> what am I going to do? So, what goes through your head there, or or was the yeah, club trying to tell you that you need to be around? It was just in Melbourne. No one could be prepared for it. No one was prepared for it. The club wasn't really prepared for it. I remember leaving training the day before the decision and having a bit of laugh, a bit of a laugh with a few of the boys that weren't um, in that group at the time saying, you know, like, we'll see you next year or, you know, we'll see, you know, but it ended up actually being like that. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, wasn't a funny joke, obviously at the time, but um, yeah, it was just, we didn't really know. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't obviously expect that decision. So we weren't, we weren't, planning for it we didn't know what was next it was so there were so many uncertainties we weren't allowed back to the club from that day onwards basically um we didn't know whether we could there was any contact allowed with anyone at the club or how that would all work so it was just um a bit of a shit show really for the first kind of week or two and let everyone try and digest this information that we're not going to have footy for 12 months and um the club, are, you know, the club are really good. They um, obviously gave everyone as much space as they needed to to try and um, divulge information, I guess. And then, um, you know, we had to work out for ourselves really what the what the year looked like. And that's when I speak about Joe Watson being an unbelievable leader. Um, you know, I think there was, as I said, about eight or nine of us still at the club at the time who it directly affected. Um, 
with a football sense, but um, you know, having someone like him to, I guess, guide you through. Uh, what was happening was was really special and really amazing to have him there. But I don't know; it was just like we didn't know what was what to what to expect or what to have planned. But um, yeah, we ended up having a a training training program in place, I guess, um, which was kind of optional for for, mo- for most and mentally hard, mentally, like, mentally, like mentally like certainly mentally hard. You're training for you yeah, know, nothing. For what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, what What's the future? Where is it all going to go? Yeah, exactly. So, so, what did you do during that time? Yeah. So, um, initially, kind of when that decision uh, came down, I. Um, I took off to WA with with a couple of mates and um, that I was playing footy with at the time as well. So, took off over there and um, Kale Hooker's family's got a vineyard over there. So, we went over there and we actually did that vintage and, um, you know, picked the grapes and uh, drank a lot of wine over in the vineyard. Um, but it was kind of get out of Melbourne initially. Um, still trying to surround myself with a couple of my mates that, that were going through it. As I said, I thought that was quite helpful for me. Yep. Um, and... Yeah, and then I guess it was trying to, all right, let's figure out what's next. And we, um, the eight or nine of us at the time that we were still playing, we agreed to to uh, meet in Croatia in July that year and spend a bit of time together over there. And, um, you know, that was one of the most amazing experiences I've had in my football career. You know, well, really. they say it's a beautiful place to visit. Certainly a beautiful place to visit, uh, Croatia, in that time of the year, which you don't normally get to um probably experienced playing football with the European summer. So, um, yeah, we were um, tried to make the best of a shit situation, really, and we got away, and we got away as a group. And, um, yeah, and that – you speak about the media, you know, I remember that, that year we were over there and we were on, we were on a boat and – the boys were in pretty good nick by then. They'd done a bit, of, done a bit of training for the uh, the, the European for the, for the European summer. So that was our motivation there for a little bit. But um, I think I don't know social media. Someone put a someone put a photo up of the uh, the boys on the boat, and yep. that was front page of the Herald Sun the next day. And you know, we're us over there, and we we're just trying to get away from from everything yeah. that was happening well, back here. You're allowed here to go and, on a boat. Yeah, exactly. You're allowed then, to go overseas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then um, yeah, we were. Yeah. I think that was really important that you connected, that you you stayed together, and you know everyone going through the same same situation yeah. because you know you can bounce off each other, you can you can try and joke about it, yeah, and laugh exactly. about it, yeah. you know, um, some as much as you was, don't want to because yeah. it's like, mate, it's angry. Like but some of the times that was the best way to, yep. you know, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Literally, so I mean, um, that's why for me it was, it was certainly beneficial to have these blokes around me and. You know, even your family and that kind of thing, they they want to be talking about it and they might not necessarily know the ins and outs, but, mm. you know, everyone, had, it was the biggest story in football, obviously, at that, that time. So everyone wanted to know and everyone wanted to add their opinions, and um, which is understandable because it's such a big story. But, yeah, you're right, the, the people that... Um, really mattered and people that really understood what was happening were those nine or ten boys or the 30, 35 odd blokes that, but the nine or ten boys that we were together with at the time. And um, yeah, without a doubt, mate, if I didn't have those guys around me at that time, I doubt whether I would have played football ever again. And, and that's the other thing that James heard said that, you know, whenever it was going on, you'd, you'd face the players, you face the media, and then he'd put on a brave face and then he'd walk behind closed door mm. and he'd go into a room with Mark Thompson and they he just said we would look at each other going, what is going on? And they just felt 
alone. Yeah. Those two just felt like they were trying to shoulder everything. So what you've done there is they've gone off and still tried to stay connected, yeah. which is really important because you've you've been through um, you know this situation with you know your close mates. So I think that's probably the best way to move forward. Which sounds like you you come up with a great solution. And Croatia, hey, bucket list tick. <laughs> exactly, it was uh, it was good fun. <laughs> now, did the club give you and the other players a chance to leave? And if so, why did you decide to stay? I mean, the club did. They gave. My, I think my situation was a little bit. I'd just come off um, pretty serious like ankle injury and that kind of thing and um I kind of rushed back from that and played kind of what maybe 15 16 and I wasn't playing the best of football at the time and um I'd had four or five surgeries on my ankle and um we didn't really have Paddy Ryder had gone he'd left and um we didn't really have too many other ruckmen on the list at the time so I was kind of um probably pushing myself to try and play each week and that kind of thing. And I was probably doing more damage to myself in terms of my ankle. And um, so my football leading up to that year off probably wasn't where I wanted it to be. And it was kind of a strange one. I mean, that year off probably came at a good time for me in terms of being able to get back to, to playing football and give my body a rest and that kind of thing. And so it was quite interesting in that regard that, I mean, if that year off didn't come, then I'm not sure I would have even maybe been offered another contract or, um, you know, I wasn't, I certainly wasn't playing the footy that, that I wanted to at the time. So um, in that, in that regard, it actually, the year off, you know, was maybe a blessing in disguise for me. But I mean, I think I had something to prove to come back to the football club. Just to this day, I still believe that I did nothing wrong throughout that time at the football club. So, um, and I mean, the supporters were really loyal and, and really passionate and, and, and quite helpful for me. So, um you know, Hooksy and these these guys are really close mates with. I mean, Hooksy probably could have gone anywhere, any club in the AFL at that time. He'd come off a best and fairest in all Australian years, so he was quite the opposite to me. So I think he had a, a fair few clubs throwing a fair bit of coin at him as well and being a WA boy to go back home. So, um, yeah, for me it was kind of – I didn't – to be honest with you, I didn't really have that many other opportunities and other clubs coming at me because I wasn't probably in great form. But um, I know a lot of the boys did and, um, you know, the club were – the club obviously were trying to re-sign us and, and, and as they should. But, um, yeah, my, my experience was I was – Essendon gave me my opportunity and um, loyalty is a big thing for me. So to uh, for me, it wasn't a really hard decision to stay at the footy club. Now, I know it didn't end the way you would have wanted, but how special was it when the team all came back together to make finals again the next season and all go up to Sydney and absolutely thousands of Bomber supporters went up. You had 44 hit outs, <laughs> if you don't mind. So that must have been a very special lead up. And I know, obviously, the game result didn't go as you wanted, but the lead up, it must have been very rewarding after everything you'd been through as a team. Yeah, it was. It was special. And, um, you know, throughout that period, I remember some almost games that they felt like finals. I remember there was the West Coast one over in West Coast where... Um, Maybe Job kicked a goal late in the game or something yes, to yeah. yeah and uh, I mean that game there was some certainly there was some significant games that really stood out and Fremantle was it Fremantle it, it, it was amazing Free Free just yeah for for what you players had been yeah, through and yeah. and James heard yeah. yeah. the, the win there yeah. about the huge question yes. mark moving forward yeah. that to me like sides don't do that yeah. that I mean dead and buried yep. and not sure about their future. You yeah. know, that that for me was an incredible win and I do yeah. remember Joe Watson was yeah. on fire and yeah, leading yeah. from the front. Yeah, so some of those games and the final that you speak about as well to, um, 
yeah, you know, you're, you're sitting on a boat in Croatia, you don't you don't know whether you're going to play AFL footy again, and um, then you come back and. 12 months later, you're playing in a final up in Sydney. So you do have to cherish those moments along the way. And um, they were pretty special, although the result didn't go our way that night. Um, yeah, you do. I think when footy gets taken away from you, you can't, you don't take it for granted. And that's certainly something that I learned um, in, in that year off, not to take it for granted. And um, I think that probably also made me a better person, a better player when I came back and, um, yeah, cherished it. How did Dustin Fletcher keep fronting up? <laughs> Uh, throughout his career, it was quite incredible. Yeah, the 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 amount of games that he played and and the role that he had, and he had some real go on him too. Don't worry, he loved he loved whacking a few, he did. and it was all accidental. But he used to get <laughs> reported a Arms lot, and, and there's no accidental much. about it. But you know, like playing with players like that, he used to. You know, we asked him on the podcast about getting to training about an hour early um, and getting his toast and his coffee in the paper and yeah. having the radio on. And and that's how he'd start the day in the car park for an hour, just having some time to himself. Every day. And I remember <laughs> he used to drive this old Pajero to training and he'd he rock in every morning. And if you were there early for physio or whatever, Fletcher would be sitting yep. in the car having his coffee yep. and his paper and he, he's just <laughs> nodded ahead. But, um, and that was Fletch. And he, he obviously... It worked. It worked. And, you know, Fletch never entered the gym in a gym session whatsoever over my 10 years that I played with him he wasn't he wasn't about weights Fletch he knew he knew what he was good at and he he, he stuck to that and um it's yeah. incredible not to do weights when you look at some of the full forwards yeah, that he played, played on, on Jason yeah. Dunstall yep. you know Gary Avletzini he would have played on Wayne Carey at yep. some stage mm. the list goes on and on so to think of a, a player yeah nah I don't do weights I'll just get my long arm in there when I need to and hopefully use my speed. It's it's quite incredible. And that was just Fletch. He knew what he was good at and he, he was unbelievable at it, obviously, as well, to do it for so long. Um, yeah, I doubt whether we'll see too many more players play that amount of games and be that successful for that long over their career. So um, Fletch, was a he was a ripper. He loved the... He loved to talk too, did he? Loved to talk. Yeah. Loved story time in the locker room as well, Fletch. <laughs> so he was he was one of the first ones to uh, pull up a seat. And well, he's that. a bit like Matty Lloyd. Matty Lloyd loves a story, doesn't he? Loves a story, Lloyd. So I can see Fletch and Lloyd just sitting there like two little kids. Little, little you know, kids. Waiting for the story that to That probably kept, kept them young throughout their career as well. And, um, you know, the antics of what happened on the weekend with the young boys and that kind of thing. So uh, Fletch loved a good story, loved a beer, obviously away from footy and um, just a ripping bloke, Fletch as well. You speak about it might have been a mini blessing in disguise having the year off for your body. The final two years of your AFL career, you played 20 games in 2018 and 16 in 2019. You're still playing footy. Did you go with a bit of petrol in the tank or was that something you wanted to do deliberately? Um, no, to, not no not, not really. It was more... Um, I think my my body was probably a little bit shot towards the end of it as well. I mean that year that year off did give it a bit of a reprieve, and I, I did feel better when I came back. And I'd had kind of um, four or five surgeries over a two year period um, on the same ankle, and so to have that twelve months off that kind of helped that, and um, I was able to yeah feel a little bit better. And then um, towards the last couple of years of my career. It was almost the same thing, you know, like we didn't have too many other Ruckman on the list at the time. Sammy Draper was coming through. He hadn't probably come on yet. He'd, um, you know, he was still quite young. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely got to a point in my career where physically um, I probably couldn't couldn't stand up against, you know, the, the, uh, the other Rucks and that kind of thing. And I just couldn't do, my body probably wouldn't allow me to do 
what I could do when I was younger, and and it's faster than ever, it's isn't it? Certainly faster it is than fast. ever. I remember, I remember coming back from that year off, and I was like, "Wow, have I missed ten years of footy," or you know, <laughs> well, like that's what you think. But many up went out the window, so all yeah. of a sudden it was rapid fire. Yeah. Every direction you go, yeah. it's just someone's flying at you. Even like you know, the couple of games so far this year, it's incredible how quick they are with handballing around a stoppage, mm. getting the ball moving yeah. and how quickly they're reacting. It's it's gone to a next level. Yeah. It's um yeah, you're right, it's crazy the speed of it now and um that was, you know, a bit of a tell- telltale sign for me, especially late in my career, just how quick that game was and um yeah, I was kind of I guess really happy and content that um I'd given everything from my body point of view and um yeah, it's good don't get me wrong, it's still good to be having a kick at local level, but it's uh I'm certainly not moving like I used to at uh, AFL level. <laughs> Get ready to play everywhere, Australia. The AFL is here. And with Tab Same Game Multi, you can combine all your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, total points and anytime goal scorer all in the one bet to get bigger odds. Available on every AFL game this season. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. Hey, well, you're getting married soon, aren't you? True. Yes. Well, tell us about your, your wife to yeah, be. The beautiful Olympia. So, um, Who's just been on Dancing with Dancing the Stars. Dancing with the Stars, and yeah. She's still on there, isn't she? She. Yes, I think she's still on. Yes. Yeah. Yep. She's still on. So. Uh, oh no, no! Actually, she went out the other she day. Went out yeah, last yes. night. I think she went out last <laughs> night. I don't know. I, didn't know. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was watching nah. a replay or what's going on. No, nah, you're right. She yeah. did. She. Um, I think she was eliminated last night. So. So that puts pressure on your um, oh, wedding mate, dance. I'm <laughs> very nervous. So, because she's an amazing dancer. I've got two left feet, mate, and, and then it's not. It's not going to be. Two pre- months it's, later, it's you're getting not. married, mate. Well, Tom, you need to step up. You need to get some lessons. I will. Or do a lift. Do yeah, a dirty dancing lift. Exactly. Something like that. I, th- I think that's my go. Um, <laughs> try, try and do a lift or a spin or a twirl. It's like or you're stressing like. out about it. Right, I, Mate, I am. Pressure. So well, she's, you know, she wants the dance lessons and she oh, wants to geez. make it a, a routine. But you got to go with it. Yeah, you do. You do. I've learned that uh, pretty quickly. That when it comes to the wedding, you just got to go with it. So um, <laughs> I'm learning along the way. But yeah, stay tuned for the uh, the footage of the dance, the first right. dance. Well, good luck with that. Thank we, you. Yeah, we look forward to that. Yes. You know, I got out of mind. What's that? The Macarena. Oh, really? Got everyone what? to do it. Yep. That was your wedding dance. Stroke of genius. Oh, my goodness. Well, my Stroke of genius. <laughs> You've done the Macarena as your wedding dance. That's, that's, that's amazing. Hey, you must have a good missus to do I've, that. I've got a Greek uh, fiancé, so she's um, yep. the Greek dancing, so... They're they're not great dancers, the Greeks. So they just they get they get everyone up in a circle and don't they throw the plates as well? Throw the plates. I can do that. Yeah, is I that happening? That. Will that be that. happening yeah, at your wedding? I reckon that'll be happening. I've been to a couple of weddings where the plates just start going. I'm like, oh, that was a nice plate. <laughs> anyway, they just start smashing them. They're everywhere. But um, no, I, I love that. And obviously, your Croatian friends will be coming over. They uh, a lot of them will be uh, making the trip <laughs> over for the wedding. I reckon coming over so. on the boat and you know. <laughs> The one you were hanging out on, or those podiums you were dancing at at those nightclubs? Unbelievable time. <laughs> Good memories. Best spray you ever heard? Best spray I ever heard? Uh, Bomber Thompson to Michael Hibbert. Um, he played on, Michael Hibbert played on Boomer Harvey, and I think I think Boomer just literally absolutely towed him up. And it might have been the Tuesday or the Wednesday after that, and it was just Bomber could give a really, really good spray at the best of times, and he just absolutely went through Hibbo, and 
you can't really do much when you're copying such such a uh, full-on aggressive spray. But uh, and it was in front of everyone. It was just every, I remember everyone on the track just looking, going. Jeez. Wow. That was, that was, yeah. What was some of the stuff he was producing? It was, I just remember Bomber was, Bomber could look through you, you know, like, and Bomber was a scary man. And he would, um, yeah, some, some of his sprays were uh, pretty good. I remember we, we got one one night where we'd been out at Motel, actually, and uh, back, in, <laughs> back in the day. And one of the players, I think it was off a six day break, and we should, probably shouldn't have been out drinking. And um, we'd gone out and had a beer, and one of the players had, uh, done his calf that day and um, he got us in the room and sat us down and he said tell me who was there and I said I was there by myself <laughs> and, you well, know, it's, it's not as though you can hide in the corner so it's hard yeah someone it's like hard. yourself I can I can hide under the table but yeah. you definitely can't but he tried to get it out of me who was there and I wouldn't I wouldn't oh, tell him and geez. that was uh, pretty scary as well and you stood fat? I stood fat. Oh, well done. <laughs> You're seriously dicing with death there. Yeah. Um, and he was probably out there at the same time. Well, well Thompson, he was probably looking at he you know, he he across he, the he, bar. He knows who was He's there because like, he was there. there. Exactly. I told him not to come well. out and they're here. He was there. Jimmy Bartel uh, told us that story. I think they were at Motel as well. Yeah. And he was dancing and saw everyone, the Cats boys there and danced Bob. away and turned around. <laughs> what? Not and saw Bob and Thompson? Yeah. No way. Not surprised. <laughs> That's unbelievable. And the final one was going to be favourite footy trip, but I think Croatia might be. Uh, it doesn't count as a footy trip. I don't know if it does, if it's mid-year. Well, it was very similar to a footy trip. So it's um, so footy takes you in great does. spaces, doesn't it? And it does. to all you know, different places. So, you know, what's a couple there? Yeah. Um, Vegas are probably the ones that stand out. You can <laughs> the, remember Vegas. Well, <laughs> I actually caught up with a. Uh, I actually caught up with one of the boys yesterday, and we were um, having a laugh, and um, we went to. So, so is, is this all the players going? Yeah, or is so, this a handful of players went to Vegas. So my first trip to Vegas was, I think it was 2011, and we had 35 blokes in Vegas. Oh, so that was a uh, wow. That was an eye opener. That was a good trip. Um, <laughs> Dyson Heppel was an 18 year old. He, um, boy from Gippsland, yeah. you from Tasmania. Tassie. Next thing you're in, in rock Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, I think my first one I had in Vegas, I had 35, and then the last one in Vegas, I had four blokes. So <laughs> they, uh, footy trips were kind of, yeah, dwindling over the, over the time. But Vegas are the ones that stand out. My first footy trip was Cairns, um, you know, Lloydie and, uh, Scotty Earl and those blokes. That was le- their last trip. So that was an amazing one that stood out for me. Um, you know, yep partnered with the older bloke uh, on the first day so some, some really good memories Jace Johnson was my my uh, partner on the first day so uh, you learn a lot about blokes on footy trips and um, they're a great time to obviously reflect reflect on the season and um, yeah good fun who, who was best on ground uh, is there anyone that's a clear standard just full of entertainment and just the life of the party Michael Hibbard was very good. Michael Hibbard, Michael Hibbard was very good. The Frankston boy. The Frankston boy. He um, <laughs> he was born for somewhere like Vegas, I think, Hibbo. So he's um, he's one that stands out. Wusher was good anywhere he went. So Andrew Welsh was, um, you know, he was – those older blokes, you know, Mark McVeigh and Andrew Welsh, who have been – they've yep. been there a few times before, obviously, and they kind of teach you the younger blokes the, the ropes. And then you get to the stage where you're teaching Zachy Merritt and these kind of guys the ropes when they go over. So it is – it's it's a great time. And, um, yeah, some of the 
best memories, as you'd know, Croft, were you know made on those trips and the bonds and the relationships that you make um, off the field. I think make it only stronger on the field. Yeah, and you're talking a Cobden boy, a Tasmanian boy. You know, it's it's amazing what footy does bring everyone together from all walks of life, and and you're going to have friends for life as well. Yeah, certainly, and that's probably the bit, one of the best things about football the the people that you meet along the way. And um, you know, unfortunately, I was never in a team, a successful team where we played finals and or won grand finals like yourself. But the one thing that I do take away from my football career is the relationships and the people that you, that you do make and meet along the way is just, um, yeah, I certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have got those opportunities. I don't think if I wasn't playing football, so I'm extremely grateful for that. And those unusual situations that you were in, you know, the bond's probably going to be stronger than any other football club yeah. because of what you went through and you did it together and you had each other. So, you know, you're going to have that for the rest of your life. You're going to have to invite them to your wedding. Yeah. They're going to have to watch your wedding dance. Oh, and, um, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have the time of your life, which is great. Moving forward, you'll have kids and, you know, go on and, and have some wonderful times. Exactly. And um, some of my dancing moves over in Croatia, if I can pull them out at the wedding, I'll be happy. Well, I think you're going to have to, you know, fresh off Dancing with the Stars. Tom, you've been sensational. Thanks so much for having a chat today. Best of luck going forward. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks for having me.